let's just go and get it What's with all this bad energy? Collectively, we'll bring the city back to what it's meant to be But jealousy is weighing everybody down heavily We get it, B I'm a chef, organizing recipes Hella trees, burning down forests, blazing endlessly The ends will be uptown, Limeage, where her friends will be Downtown, Queen Duke, it's royalty in heaven, B It's Papa and Hamilton they coppin' from Hamilton Dirty lakes, dirty money, dirty cops is in Hamilton We got it in Hamilton Welcome to Season 2, Episode 20 of the Eatin' and Ralph Podcast It may cost you 10 bucks to park in the lawn, but this podcast is 100% free we're coming to you again after a disappointing loss. I think this one probably more disappointing than the last, considering didn't really play well. Um, I'm Josh Thomas, alongside his co-hosts Josh Bain, Troy Durrell, and Jake Wright. Coming to you 0-3 after a 26-12 to loss to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, thoughts on the game, boys? Do you guys know Owen? Oh, and three, baby. I fucking, that was the most winnable game. I think the Tycats have played this year, other than the game against Calgary. We just yeah. couldn't do anything. It was. That's really, I think that's the most frustrating part, right? Like, even though like the offense comes out and probably puts out an equal or worse performance than they did in the first game. Again, the defense is there to to bail them out to keep them in the game, and you're going into the you're going into halftime feeling like cats could have the lead, maybe should have the lead, and then obviously in the second half, Winnipeg figures it out as they usually do. Uh, the Thai cats turn the ball over a bunch of times, and Willie Jefferson. Obviously, he seals it with a nice little pick six for himself. Um, and the O-line looked awful all night again, unfortunately. Not a lot of positives to take from this one. Yeah, no. I guess they're not, uh, not a good fourth quarter team. That is uh, definitely a major issue. They're not a very good second half team either. And uh, I think I tweeted this out the other day, the most frustrating thing is over the course of the three games, regardless of how poorly they've played, like in the fourth quarter, for example, they've had a chance to win every game, right? Like there's been an opportunity in the fourth quarter um, where they've had a chance. If they make one drive, they're in the lead and potentially winning the game. And it just hasn't happened yet. And last week, I think we were all pretty positive. Like, okay, it seems like they're, trending in the right direction regardless of the blown 24 point lead but it kind of feels like we're back to where we were after week one where we're going okay like this team has way more question marks right now than it does answers and uh edmonton's next on the schedule another 0-3 team and if hamilton loses that game uh, i don't want to be uh the person that overreacts because i usually try to be uh pretty pretty consistent in the way I feel, but I think you maybe have to write the rest of the year off if they start the year 0-4 and, and lose to Edmonton because if you're losing to Edmonton, uh, I, I don't think you're going to beat many other teams in the league, right? I think everyone but Edmonton is kind of 
and even Edmonton, like they've shown pretty well uh, the last two weeks, I thought against Saskatchewan and Calgary after being blown out by BC. Um, so it uh, will be interesting to see, but yeah, hard to find positives after a game where your offense scores 12 points and it's all off the leg of Michael Domagala. Yeah. Like it's especially Sorry. when you got a pick in the, uh, in their half, like inside, I think it was a 40 and you get, I think it was a field goal from the drive. So you yeah, got to finish that. They didn't even pick up a first down it, on, like, that. on that drive. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. And, and they would get into scoring range and Dane overthrows Stephen Dunbar. Uh, Dunbar can't come up with a catch where it's a jump ball. I thought he should have had it. Um, yeah. Probably Dunbar's roughest game as a tie catch, obviously. The two, I I guess they classify as interceptions, but more so, I guess, fumbles on his part where they led to the Willie Jefferson pick six and then um, Nick Taylor's interception that basically put the nail in the coffin after the game was pretty much already sealed. But yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. We're seeing the same reoccurring theme after three games and that's poor protection of the quarterback, uh, too many turnovers and not being good enough in the second half. So it, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. I don't even really know like what to say on the podcast just because there doesn't seem to be anything but negatives to talk about. So it's, uh, yeah, I guess you just kind of got to flush it down the toilet and uh, move on to Edmonton and hopefully they can get that, get that first win. Cause I think once they get one win, regardless of who the opponent is, they, then they go into a bye week Maybe they get some healthy bodies back and you're kind of starting over from scratch again. Right. So hopefully that's the case. And, um, oh just tough to watch right so um from a fan perspective and uh as uh up and coming i guess reporter like as someone who wants to cover this team like down the line it's just it's just hard to watch like it doesn't even make for like interesting storylines or anything it's just bad football all the way around no matter which way you put it like yeah like uh like troy said i think the ticats have uh, three total points in the third quarter of the whole year round. Like, that's just inexcusable. You cannot do that, man. That's crazy. Three yeah. points in three quarters of the third quarter is nuts. You got to mm-hmm. score. Yeah. Yeah. And the fourth quarter, too. Like, they have not put up that many points in the fourth quarter either and have allowed a lot. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, yeah, like, halftime of every game. The game against Saskatchewan, they're down by three. Uh, game against Calgary, they're up by 21. Game against Winnipeg, they're down by four, which, as JT mentioned, like, they're – I went into the half being like, okay, Hamilton should be up in this game. Like, Winnipeg, that deep ball to Dembski, like, great, like, throw and catch by Kolaros to Dembski, but, like uh, – which resulted in a touchdown. But, yeah, I, like, I thought Hamilton deserved a better fate, like, the defense I thought played quite well in the first half. And then uh, again, it's just reoccurring the same reoccurring story that we've seen over and over and over in the first three weeks. And it's the same three things that have hampered them uh, the entire year. Yeah. You know, I, I completely agree. And those are critical areas. I'll even add one more. I think red zone scoring is an issue too, right? Oh. Even going back to, um, 
that interception. The drive before that was, I'm pretty sure they marched inside the 40, 30, and still got nothing really out of that. Um, not sure if I'm repeating any of what you might have just said here, but I think red zone production is is huge. And I think when you compound those four big areas, right, like protection of the quarterback, that's huge. Um, closing out games, huge. You know, scoring in the red zone, also huge. Um, these are things that, like, maybe you can survive one of them, but you can't survive all of them every single week. It just it can't happen, right? So, um, yeah, not a lot of positives to take, but I don't know. that. Uh, again, I think there's too much talent for them not to figure it out. Yeah, and again, they are a talented football team. You look at their roster, and even with the guys injured, you go, okay, there's still a lot of very good football players on this team, like a lot of guys yeah. who have been divisional all-stars or league all-stars. And there, if there is one positive, it's, I guess, Montreal won, but they're only one game ahead. They only have one win. And Toronto uh, got destroyed by BC 44 to three. And yeah. Ottawa had a bye week. So they're Owen two as well. Right. So you're still, regardless of the fact that you started so poorly, you're three games in and you're Owen three, you're still not that far behind the eight ball because those teams in front of you um, haven't had the chance, I guess, to make that much ground on you as well, because they also haven't been very good to start the year, but yeah. it's, uh, yeah, you got, you got to start week four against Edmonton. Like if they lose that game, I, as I said, you kind of just got to write the season off, I think, because um, you can start fresh. Uh, you win a game, you go into a bye week. As I said, you kind of have a better outlook on things because you go, okay, your last game, you finish with a win instead of going into the bye going, oh my God, we're only four. Uh, what are we going to do next? Set up a bunch of ground in those games if you win them, but you obviously need to start on Canada Day against Edmonton and uh, take it from there. There was one other positive that I want to talk about from the game that we talked last week about being concerned about the defensive line. Uh, I thought that was their best game by far mm -hmm. of the season. They put they put decent amount of pressure on Caleros. Uh, Dylan Wynn being back in the lineup, he was huge at stopping the run. Uh, Julian Hauser, I thought, had a really solid game. And uh, not to spoil anything for anyone, but Jovan Santos Knox, um, I think that was his best game probably as a tie cat. And uh, I, well, I, that might have spoiled it for our game balls later, but. Uh, yeah, they, like the defense, I thought they played pretty solidly, and um, the defensive line I thought was at the forefront of that. They held the defense held them to where you want to hold Winnipeg to win a football game. You just have to put points on the board. That's our biggest problem right now is putting points on the board in the second half. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but we just cannot do that for the life of us. Dane had quite a few overthrows too. Could not hit his receivers. He looked very shaky per se. Because like when you'd see, you'd watch him. He, he looked like he was just trying to grip and rip it. Couldn't hit anybody in the numbers. He just looked like he just wasn't who we know he is. Yeah, part of that is you can tell he's hesitant behind the offensive line, right? Like when your two tackles, Benzal, we mentioned it off the air. He is one of the best tackles in the CFL even at his age and he is every time Hamilton plays Winnipeg he gets his lunch eaten by uh, Willie Jefferson and then Jackson Jeffcoat going against Tyrone Riley of 
rookie in a second game. Like the, that result should have been expected. Um, and yeah, then the fact that you're missing Brandon Revenberg, uh, Jesse Gibbon, who I think has been very solid to start the year, probably the best lineman uh, in the first three games. And uh, then you're also like missing Coulterwood Manzi. That's that's three of your starting offensive linemen, right? Against the best defensive line and the two best defensive ends in the CFL. So, um, yeah, I think as you're saying, Josh, like he is trying to literally get the ball and rip it as fast as he can to get it out of to get it out of his hands as quickly as possible to avoid trying to. Um, to avoid the pressure of Jefferson and Jeff Coat, but uh, yeah, it's it's tough to watch, right? And when you have no, not really any running game, um, it's easy for the defense to just pin their ears back and just rush the quarterback, right? So it, uh, yeah, he knows it, and he's running for his life, and it's you know it, when it's this evident of a problem, like. You're not going to, and the offense is this much of an issue. You're not really going to go anywhere until it gets fixed. Uh, to that effect, the Ticats did trade for an O lineman this week. I wanted to ask because I like the little, I like the exchange before we kind of got on air here. Jake, I'm going to toss to you first. Do you think Colin Kelly starts this week? I don't think so because I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming the Ticats playbook's a little like complex and I don't think he should start week one, but give him some time because we get the bye week next week. Give him some time to learn the playbook, and then he'll be all good. Yeah, yeah. I I think it looks poorly on the Tie Cats if they do start a guy that they traded for like a couple days earlier. Um, would basically show to everyone and the fan base like, hey, this is this is how badly our offensive line has played. We are going to trade for someone who started the first two games for Edmonton and then got moved to being a backup. Well, maybe he didn't get moved. Maybe that was because they were going to trade him, but he didn't play against Calgary. And then to insert him immediately into the lineup, I just, I just don't think that's the greatest look. Um, when you you need you need bodies, right? And uh, I could see him maybe lining up as an extra, but it w- it was the same how I felt when they signed Andrew Pickett the other week was if this guy's playing immediately uh you have a lot of issues when a guy you're picking up off the street is uh immediately inserted into your lineup yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as Troy and Jake here to just look bad to get a guy started in right away and it's a lot different than going in and trading for a running back or a receiver because like it's a lot easier to transition because probably you're doing a lot of the same stuff that you did on the other team but now you're going in with a whole new offense you have to glue with uh, four other guys on the line. So as Jake said, I think he'll uh, he'll sit this week and then they'll plug him in after the bye week. Maybe he'll get like a little bit of action just to like get some rotation in there. But mostly, I do not believe he will be uh, starting this week. Yeah, well, I think yeah. if we're up, I think if we're up big, he'll go in and everything. But we'll see. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he starts either. Um, I just, I, I, I just was interested in the answers though, just because. You know, the online has been that bad. I mean, we all know that's the truth, right? So they do need help. However, I mean, you are correct, Troy. If you're trading for a backup and he's three days at a getting getting traded, getting off the plane, and he's starting, then that's 
that's a problem for yeah, sure. Yeah, we don't yeah. want it like last year with Travis Vorn call. The first time Coach O saw him with pads on was in his first game. Because he just got off the, what was it, the suspended list, I think, because he's American. So. Yeah. One, one thing I do want to ask you guys is, because me, I look at this trade as, okay, um, Coulter Woodmansey, I think is coming back here in the next, I would, if he's not back practicing this week, I would think probably the week after. Like the bye week, uh, yeah. Yeah, after the bye week. Does this give you hope that like some of the starting offensive linemen that I mentioned were out are closer to getting healthy? Or does this make you more concerned that a guy like Saxla is going to be out longer um, than we maybe originally thought? Um, I think, I mean, it's, not bad to have somebody with a veteran presence. He started for Ottawa in the Grey Cup. He's been in the league a while. I mean, having all these starters come back who are still relatively young, it is good to have a guy who's been around the league, somebody you can learn from, you can teach and stuff. So I like. I don't think it's necessarily bad. I think it's just good to have somebody to rely on because there's a few guys that I won't name names who have been big liabilities on the O-line. And if we can have – Somebody who can come in off the bench for two plays and still be as solid at something I'm on board for. I think it depends on why they kind of traded for him. Like, did they trade for him for depth? Or, you know, did they trade for him to fill a hole? Well, he's still as a right tackle, no? Yeah, he, he's played predominantly as a right tackle. In I, think time, he started, I think he started on the left side with Ottawa. In, in Ottawa, yes, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Played left, but then once he went to Edmonton, the last like four or five years he's been with them, he's been their right tackle. Does that you think CV or Chris Vanzile goes to the left side maybe then, or do you think right or Kelly goes to the left side? Well, that's one thing that I wanted to bring up as well was when everyone is healthy, like Saxolid comes back from his ankle injury, Revenberg comes back from whatever reason it was we don't really know why he missed the Winnipeg game he wasn't listed on the injured uh list the whole week of practice and then the depth chart comes out and he's not there and Woodmansey comes back do you foresee it where um you have Kelly starting at one of the tackle positions or is it Saxolid there and Kelly is kind of the sixth man that you would bring in for like certain heavy packages and all that stuff Uh, I think I think Kelly would be the sixth man. That's, that's kind of that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Like you would still because I would go Saxolid, Revenberg, Woodmansey, Gibbon, Van Zyle. Yeah, and then have Kelly me, as me the too. sixth me guy. Too. Yeah, yeah, and then and then you have and then you have guys like Pickett who you can put on the practice roster. He's Canadian. You maybe give Vorn call um, a little more time to develop on yeah. the practice roster as well. And then you have more depth at the position than you currently have, obviously. Like when Vorn Call is being moved in to play guard, and that's a position he's barely played over his football career. And then Kay Okafor, to be honest, I don't like putting, like saying stuff about players, but how Kay Okafor has lasted this long as a CFL player is beyond me i that i don't he is not to me he has not progressed enough over however many years the tie cats have had him since they drafted him i think it was in 2016 
and or maybe it was 2017 but he has not progressed enough for me to be like okay I'm comfortable with this guy starting I saw I saw him as the starting left guard and I was like we literally are like we have nobody else to play offensive line right now so it's just yeah the the addition of Kelly and you gave up nothing for him right a seventh round pick and if you look back at this year we cut our seventh round pick so yeah it's it's like I don't know. You, you can't really um, dislike the move. CFL Central, he's a guy who's pretty locked into all the all the moves that happen around the league. I think he said it best on our Instagram post that it's a low buy, high reward type of trade, right? You, you maybe get a guy who is your sixth offensive lineman or he's a guy that can come in when you need him to and can start and you're not starting a player who's played two career CFL games at tackle with Tyrone Riley. So, um, yeah, hope, hopefully he's able to get in there as soon as possible. Maybe not in the game against Edmonton, because as Jake said, you kind of need to learn the, learn the playbook and all that. But I'm excited to have him. I saw the trade and I was like, this, this is a, this is a pretty solid trade for the Ticats and just give them more depth when hopefully everyone on the offensive line is healthy. Because I think that is well, we've touched on it that it is one of the big, one of the big reasons why they have struggled through the first three weeks. It also uh, with the with the signing with Kelly it all, or yeah it also there's more uh, competition to see who starts so I think that the the they'll play better because they want to start and everything so bring the best out in players for sure yeah and if Saxlid is out longer than we think he is then you have a guy who has CFL experience to play that position instead of relying on Vaughn Call or Riley who have had like a combined five starts over their CFL career like he's played. Colin Kelly has played, I think, seven years in the CFL and has played in almost every game. So that's 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 a lot of experience. So that's the biggest thing for me is yeah. kind of the value that you get and, and really the low risk. Like, I'm not sure if they did bring him in because Saxlet's going to be out longer or not, but like whether or not that is the case. Um, when he comes back, I think you guys hit it on the head. You have that depth. You have that guy who can step in and fill, you know, fill a hole if you need him to, or, or as Josh said, take a couple of plays. So, you know, one of the guys can maybe take a rest. Um, and I also like the idea of competition at practice. Uh, it, it's just like, you're giving up nothing, right? The seventh round pick is it's, it's just a really positive move. I think that we it'd, found a positive. To talk it'd be, about. it'd be super funny though. If this seventh round pick that goes to Edmonton becomes like Sean Thomas. Yeah. But like, as you're like touching on the depth, you look around the team, we have good depth at pretty much every other position. We have depth on the D-line, the linebacker core, the secondary, the receiver room, running backs. Mm. Like, I, I can see we have depth at quarterbacks. I feel like I could trust Matt Schultz going to win us a game if he needed to. Same with Jamie Newman. Like, then you just look at the O-line, it's just, like, bare bones. And, like, I think that's just, like, the one part of the team you need to have kind of oozing with depth just because you can never really tell because – you go for a block, one false move, you could pop your elbow, pop your knee. It's just that's, – that's just one position I think you need to always have uh, extras in your back pocket. Winnipeg has proved it. You win the Grey Cup by having an elite offensive line and having an elite defensive line. And I I think the Ticats' defensive line is elite. The offensive line has been well below average. Uh, when everyone is healthy, I think that they are a good offensive line. When you have – 
uh, as I said, the Saxolid, Revenberg, Woodmansey, Gibbon, and Van Zyl. Then uh, you have Kelly as the sixth man, Pickett as the seventh man. Um, I think that obviously sounds and will look a lot better than what we're currently seeing because, well, as you look at the offensive line on the depth chart against Winnipeg this past week, it was a bunch of rookies and guys who have been known depth players for the last several years who they're not starters for a reason, right? So um, hopefully, yeah, it gives uh, gives the team more depth at that position and hopefully guys start getting healthy and we don't have to uh, – the offensive line is not a conversation every, every week because last year we went through this too. There were some injuries along the offensive line early in the year. And once the guys started to get healthy, the team started to win. And it was not really much of an issue, I thought, down the stretch and in playoffs. So hopefully they can get back to that. To that point, it was better last year than it was two years ago. That's the one kind of glimmer of hope I have. Is well, there was like no football two years ago. So I meant the, the <laughs> last Grey Cup against Winnipeg. Not the... Two great cups ago against Winnipeg. Now you got me stumbling and bumbling. Um, no, they looked better last season than they did in 2019 against Winnipeg. And, and, you know, there's a lot of that group is still here. And theoretically, they've gotten better with the addition of Saxel and obviously now the addition of Kelly. So that gives me hope that when we do get guys back from injury, obviously Coulter Woodmansey is a, is a huge missing piece as well. Um, we have a full offensive line, like Troy said, I, I do, I think they'll start rolling, right? We saw that last year they did, and they weren't a problem down the stretch. And it there helps is... with the ratio too, right? Like it keeps Don Jackson in the lineup, which is huge. I, yes. I, I like what Sean Thomas Erlington does, but as I've mentioned in prior podcasts, Tommy Condell loves using him in more in the passing game than as a actual running back. So if you get Don and... Jackson back in the lineup, it uh, I think that just provides another avenue of offense for them to take and gives them more flexibility to use FDE in the slot and uh, be able to kind of flip him in and out with Lamar Durant when he's healthy, Tyler Ternowski, now that he's healthy, and David Unger, right? Like, we were, we were talking – at the beginning of the year, giving our season preview that the Ticats had like 10 or 11 Canadians that could start. And now we're, we're running into where we're the six, we, we have like six legitimate Canadians of those like 10 or 11 that are actually playing because the rest are dealing with injuries. Right. So um, once, once you get that Canadian depth back, because I think that's another obviously very important part to win in this league. Um, I agree, JT. I think they'll be back to, uh, the team we expected them to be at the beginning of the year. I want to touch on something too. Uh, when does Tommy Kandel, you know, call good play calls? When does that happen? Why I think is we've the watched TS- the same plays for the past four years? I'm pretty sure. Why is the TSN broadcast literally calling out the fact that you only use STE as a receiving back? If if they know that and we know that. I guarantee you Willie Jefferson and the Winnipeg defense knows that. Like, what in the world are we doing here? Why is Sean Thomas Erlington getting six touches against the Bombers? Like, and, he, like, he two can, of them went for run. 10 yards. He can run mean. Like, two of them for 10 yards and a first down. Like, it's not like no they're moving the ball. 
And like, why? Like, I love Stephen Dunbar Jr. Do not get me wrong, but why was he targeted fifteen times? He dropped more balls than he caught. He was six for fifteen. With how many yards was it? Uh, fifty-three yards. And he had fifteen targets. And you look at Braylon Addison. He was targeted four times for seven yards. I love Dunbar. He's shown potential that he can be the number one, number two guy. But, like, when you're only feeding Braylon Addison the ball four times, like, that says a lot about the play calling and what needs to change when you're not getting arguably your best receiver in the game plan. How, how, much of that, how much of that do you think, though, because you mentioned it before the game against Winnipeg that Addison was a game-time decision, and I was looking on the transactions page, and they've moved Anthony Johnson to the active roster. Do you think that's maybe in place of Addison for Canada Day because he is banged up, uh, I guess, according to the fact that he was a game day, uh, game time decision? I yeah, mean, maybe. Huh? Yeah, like you never you never really know until the injury report comes out, right? We'll get that, what, tomorrow yeah. morning? Yeah. Tomorrow and practice. So, like, it's kind of yeah. hard to say. It's like I'm hoping not. But, like, if he is going down, I know Anthony Johnson's a dog, so. Yeah. Well, and the fact, too, that Winston Rose was hurt, so it was a rookie that Dunbar was going up against in his first CFO game. Maybe Condell's looking to pick on him a little bit. But I, I do agree. Um, myself included, I think a lot of Ticap fans look at the 2015 and 2019 seasons and go, yeah, Tommy Condell is a really good offensive coordinator. But we have not seen a very productive offense for the last – what would it be now, including playoffs, the last, like, 20 games? It's just like if you want to it'll, it'll get started, it'll get started, and then it'll just sputter and just die out. Yeah. Like, there there were several drives where against Winnipeg where I was like, okay, now they're finally going to start to get going. And yeah. they, would get, they, they would get into the red zone, and as JT mentioned, then they'd end up kicking a field goal. And then the very next drive, they'd go two and out, and Winnipeg's got the ball again. And yeah, it's like you're taking one step forward and constantly going two steps back. Yeah, and I was. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, part part of it is obviously the fact that the offensive line is not good, and the fact that they don't have the guys that they were expecting to have in the lineup on a regular basis. And Condell is trying to use the short game um, as much as possible, but. As you guys said, Sean Thomas Erlington, I thought he played a fine game and was actually running it pretty effectively, and they went away from it completely. And it was basically, you know, they were trying deep shots and Bain was overthrowing them or receivers were dropping them. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a collection of things. But I do think that the team needs to consider – maybe looking at other options. But one thing that concerns me is what other options for an OC are out there at this point in the year. Yeah. It, yeah. Like June it Jones, he, he was a guy that came to mind, but then I saw that he's taking an OC job in the XFL. You're not going to get him to leave home, jump off that bridge. Like, you know, there's just not, there's just not many options out there for them to. Unless they like snake something from McMaster or CIS team. Yeah, and yeah. Steph Patasek was here in 2017, and their offense was probably the worst we've seen since, like, the early 2000s, and he was the offensive coordinator 
um, during that season. And it was so bad that Kent Austin basically took away his like play calling duties because it was just not working. Right. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to have to stick it out with Condell. Hopefully, uh, having guys healthy will allow the offense to get going again, because when we've seen it at its peak, it's been very effective. Right. So, um, hopefully they even find three quarters of that and the Ticats I think will be in good shape if that's the case. Yeah. Like as, as you were mentioning earlier about how like <clears throat> they would get into field goal range, kick the field goal. And then they, the next try would be a tune out. Like I was, I was calling the, the Panthers or not the Panthers. I was calling the, uh, the Cardinals game Friday night. I had the game on my laptop and it was like the middle inning where I had to do my little spiel for the fans and stuff. We just got the ball and I look back and I see Dane running off the field and I was like, what happened? And it was like third and three. And I was like, okay, so we did not move the ball again. It was just frustrating to see that, like in that short period of time, we've got the ball and given it up. Like it was nothing. And I don't know why we've gone away from the wide receiver screens, but they seem to be working a lot versus Calgary. And I don't think we use them that much versus Winnipeg. The one time we saw it, it resulted in the pick six though. The screen? Yeah, it was a screen to Dunbar and Dane didn't put it really on the money and he kind of, he got hit and he kind of threw it up in the air and Jefferson grabbed it on kind of like a rebound, like in basketball. And it was basically Willie against Dane. Maybe I'm wrong on that play, but I was pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think, no, I think that was like, a, it was kind of like a five yard, five yard in kind of route from Dunbar. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. Like a- yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a screen, but it just we, it was working so much versus Calgary. I don't know why we went away from it versus Winnipeg. We just tried so many running back screens for some reason. Uh, yeah, and like if you're going to use the screen to get some pressure off of the quarterback, then why not, you know, get your wide quarterback got to put it on the money, though. Yeah. There, yeah. There, yeah. there is uh, one thing I wanted to bring up that we haven't touched yet. Uh, a familiar foe, Jeff Reinbold. Was on the, our favorite guy Rod Peterson was on his show last week, and he uh, took some shots at Simone Lawrence, saying he's made no big time plays in three games, and or two games, and then he continued to go and have another poor game. Do you think that Reinbold's right, or it's just too early in the season to really get on Simone's case? First of all, Jeff Reinbold, I love you, but you're responsible for the dude who took the knee. He should never have. Ever, 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 ever even had that in his head, and that's why you're gone, and we all know it. So just don't talk about the Ticats, please. Uh, secondly, no. Simone's, Simone's still one of the top players in the CFL. Yeah, I'm not too worried about Simone's production. It'll come. <laughs> Joe Von Santos Knox has – the thing that I've noticed, obviously, is he is – Simone, that is the playmaker in the Ticats on the Ticats defense. So offenses are really trying to key away from him and are trying to go more after Santos Knox and Cam Kelly, which I mean, I don't really have that much of an issue with it. Those two are both elite linebackers in this league and the secondary. We've all sung their praises for however many months now. Um, So no, I'm not, I'm not super worried about it. It's kind of hard to make a play when the, opposing offenses are pretty much constantly going away from your side, but uh, I'm not worried. Simone, Simone will make plays and uh, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Reinbold. I mean, that certain comment, I guess you'd have to consider that he's maybe, I don't think, 
And I think like reading Simone's tweets, I don't think that Simone even really had a problem with Reinbold's comments about the fact that he hasn't made any big plays in the first couple of weeks. I think it was the fact that he went on Rod Peterson's show and made those comments where we saw 2019 Rod Peterson called Simone Lawrence a thug and uh, has has basically all of Ryder Nation against Simone, Simone Lawrence um, since that hit on Zach Claros in the season opener a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, Jake, you you concerned about Simone or do you think it's just early season guy just needs to get going a little bit? I think it's exactly what you said, where teams are running away from him because they don't want to attack him. So you can't do anything if that's the case. So Yeah. And I'll gladly let teams run into Cam Kelly and JSK. Those guys yeah. are elite football players. Yeah. Yeah. As we said, JSK, I think, had his best game against Winnipeg as in yeah, his time during Hamilton. Seven yeah. tackles in a sack. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, j- just so everyone knows, one of Simone Lawrence's latest retweet is from Jeff Reinbold in uh, 2021, and quote: "Simone Lawrence is a straight playmaking machine. Yeah, just Sim doing what Sim does." So, yeah, I mean, again, I don't really think Simone had much of an issue. Man, I'm I'm not Simone, so I don't know. I don't think he had that much of an issue with the comments that were made i think as i said it's just where the comments were made right where rod peterson and simone lawrence do not have a good relationship right and um simone made a comment that they had to sit down him and jeff reinbold in 2019 after uh peterson had made those comments about him being a thug and i think simone just felt a little betrayed that he would they talk about that and just kind of whatever it was that they were talking about. It's personal, obviously, but then for him to turn around a couple of years later and go on his show and be like, yeah, Simone's not making any big plays. Yeah. Like what's wrong yeah, with him? Well, for him to um, do it for publicity, right. And relevance. Cause you know. he's, you know, that's, that's frustrating. I understand where Simone's coming from. Yeah. But each game on Canada today and we can come back on this pod and go, yes, yeah, Simone Lawrence had a great game on uh, July 1st. Oh, so, and now he gets a pick. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pick, pick six. Pick. Pick six. Call, no, just a pick. Just a pick. I'm calling it. Okay. He's right. calling we, just a pick. Gets, okay. the, okay. gets okay. the Hamilton fans going, too. Yeah. In those in those absolutely beautiful new gray jerseys. I'll be wearing my Braylon Addison gray jersey, baby. Yeah. All right. Yeah, All right. Let's drop the take here. Who's scoring the first touchdown in the new jersey? Braylon Addison. Sorry. And if, and if he's injured? Timothy White. Yeah, him. Don one. Jackson, Don Jackson, if he plays, and if he doesn't play, then I don't know. <laughs> By the way, I know it's Tim White. I know it's Tim. Timothy is just a name that Troy and we we call him. Him White, because that guy's a dog for real. But he got, uh, that, he got that dog in him. Yeah, yeah, he does. For but me, uh, for me, I'm going. I'm going Poppy White. That's my guy. Dang, I like that pick too. Big foe, big foe. That's a good pick. All right, uh, we want to do game balls? Yes. All right. <clears throat> Speaking of him, if he white, he will be getting our offensive game ball this week. Uh, I believe it was six catches for 78 yards. Yeah. Yeah. He had a good game. He was uh, one of the lone bright spots on the offense. Then defensively, we already gave it away. You know, he gave it to uh, JSK with the seven tackles. 
and uh, the one quarterback sack. Finally, nice to see the uh, the D line getting to the quarterback getting some sack after talking about it last week. And then special teams this week, we are going with uh, Lawrence Woods, the third. He had three kickoff returns for 94 yards along of 46. And he had four punt returns for 40 yards with an average of 10 with a long of 15. He was handling the return duties responsibly. He's uh, looking like a prime Frankie Williams out there. I'm, I'm excited for him to get his first uh, regular season touchdown. Yeah, can I change my pick for who's scoring the first touchdown to yeah. Lawrence Woods? Because I thought he was very close to breaking one and taking it to the house against Winnipeg. Like, that man looks like he's due for a huge return. He is elusive. He is yeah. so quick. Opening opening kickoff, touchdown return for Lawrence Woods. Huh. How many how many Lawrence Woods jerseys fly off the shelf if that happens? <laughs> he's deserving of this game ball too. Like he had those he had those yards and his like he got hung out to dry in a couple returns where like there was one where it was I think it was no yards and he had absolutely no chance and he got eaten. And there was another one where um I don't know if someone missed a block. Like he just like he he looked like he ran headstrong into a pile of dudes and didn't come out of the collision on the right side of things, but you know, credit to him. He got up both times, two huge pops and still put up big numbers. Like you're, you're talking about there. So. Yeah. Jake, Jake talks that he's elusive. The dude is also tough as hell. Like he's returning, he's returning and he's also on the punt cover unit. And I'm pretty sure he's on kickoff, uh, the cover unit for kickoff team as well. Like, and he's one of, when you're watching, like we've talked, we've sung the praises of Nick Cross and Grant McDonald, uh, Bailey Feltmate, but he's one of the first guys down there as well um, in that group of dudes as well. So he's uh, he's been a very nice addition to the special teams units, and uh, I think he is due for a huge return, and I think it's going to come Canada Day against Edmonton. Yeah. I like uh, the call. I like the call, Troy. I do, I do want to also talk about, because we've been doing this for the last couple of weeks, um, the fantasy football, and just kind of go, go over the rankings of the group. So the top three are CFL Mixtape, and believe it or not, uh, my girlfriend, Amanda, she's in number two, and then Daryl is number three. I myself am in eighth. Josh, I think you're in like, or no, Jake, I think you're 19th. 19th, yeah. Yeah, Josh is like 24th. And JT, because I don't think he set his lineup once, is I'm pretty sure in last. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's me. I have not set my lineup. Again, <laughs> my yeah. dad always, uh, me and my dad always talk about it and like just watch the games and just go, it's CFL fantasy is fun, man. It's hard yeah. too. Yeah. Carlos is in 14th. Yeah, he's ahead of me now. Yeah. I just wanted to be the tie cats. Just you know, start zero and three, and then win it all. That's it. <laughs> I love that. But and Troy, yeah, just, you're a liar. Wanted... You're in ninth. Oh, okay, right. sorry, I'm in ninth. But yeah, yeah I wanted to. I promised Amanda I'd give her a quick shout out on the pod. You know, the wife that uh, she was in second place. She was very proud of herself, and uh, it's hilarious too. I want to tell this story because she'll laugh at it. But uh, the first couple weeks she was able to set her lineup then forgot like she was trying to type in her email and it wasn't like going through. And so she was like, 
panicking that she wasn't going to be able to set her lineup for this week and started a new account and then figured out after the game, uh, cause she's a bomber fan, obviously found out that it was, she had used dot, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dot, dot con, not dot com. Uh. <laughs> and she was able to get in and picked all lions. And it turned out to be like the best decision she made because she had rhymes and Rourke and those guys by themselves got her like 85 points. And, uh, yeah, it was just hilarious that she couldn't remember what her email was. And it was the fact that it was dot con instead of dot com. So, uh, that's funny. Anyways, I just wanted to give a shout out to Amanda because, uh, this is her first time playing CFL Fantasy and she is killing it, honestly. And, uh, I mean, you guys all know her. She's a pretty knowledgeable, pretty knowledgeable football fan. So I'm, uh, proud of her. But, uh, do you guys want to do predictions and then wrap it up? We've, yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, BC because Nathan Rook looks like the real deal. Then we go Hamilton by a billion. And then I'm going to go Saskatchewan and uh, Winnipeg. Very nice. Shall I go next? Yeah. All right. I will also be taking the BC Lions, beating Ottawa, uh, as Jake said. Rourke looks like the real deal. He looked unreal against Toronto. He looked really good against Edmonton. So I think the, it's going to keep on rolling. Uh, Ty Cats by a billion. Nothing else to say. Uh, for the sole purpose of the Ty Cats, I got to take the Riders, even though I despise every single fan of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. See me outside. And uh, on Monday, I will take the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because I hate the Argos. JT? Yeah. Um, just so you know, Nathan Rourke is winning the MOP. And uh, I said that in week one, sticking by that. So he's also going to win this week. I got him beating Ottawa. He absolutely dismantled Toronto. That was beautiful to watch. Um, should probably stop killing some of his receivers because he got a few of them decked pretty good with some balls and tight windows but such is learning for a young quarterback and he's looked really good i got bc over ottawa um if hamilton loses to edmonton i i don't know if uh if if jake and i will be here next week we might have to take a chance to recover we might have to take a week we'll also be on a bye week yeah, we will also be on a bye week because uh, I may just lose every one of my marbles if we lose to Edmonton, um, and I'd probably be coming back screaming about tearing everything down. So, uh, yeah, we better beat hey, we better beat Edmonton, uh, Saskatchewan, Montreal. Uh, uh, let's go with Sask. Did Montreal win last week? Yeah. They beat yeah, Saskatchewan. Yeah, they beat Saskatchewan. Killed them. But the, they're at Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with Saskatchewan. And then I'm going to take Winnipeg, too. Yeah. Uh, and just want to not throw him under the bus, but uh, JT, his most outstanding player pick of Nathan Rourke was a Hail Mary, just random, random pick. But uh, it's it turned out for the best. I got him as MOC and it was basically the same thing. So JT, you and I are in this thing together. And uh, so I'm going to go BC Hamilton. As JT said, I'm going to lose my marbles if they lose to Edmonton. Uh, Saskatchewan, they're going to be looking for revenge against Montreal and then Winnipeg as well. Josh, you want to close the pod? Oh, is it that time? All right. Yeah. Well, once again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to us ramble. Uh, 
Also wanted to thank everybody who's listened to us so far these last two years. We have reached 2,000 total listens. It's a really cool feat, really cool feat to reach with my with my good buddies here. Uh, so once again, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks for listening today. And always remember to eat them raw. <laughs>